the advantage is in mm-hmm. your favor because you're hunting. Coyotes are dang smart. Oh, the smart. Well, dude, they're honestly, smarter than mule deer. Yeah, they are the one of the most intelligent, especially now. And I think it's very important. An old coyote, you know, they say it's the hardest animal on earth to trap. You know, you can talk to even like experienced wolf guys, you know, and wolves are hard to trap. But like, dude, coyotes, like an old experienced coyote is one of the hardest animals to outwit. Like you, it's rare to shoot a coyote with no teeth. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hello everyone, this is Travis Hobbs, and I'm back after a couple month hiatus. Hunting season was a little long, um, still kind of at it, but I'll get you guys a little recap on that. Um, but for now, today's guest, I'm pretty excited to have him on. Um, it's a topic that I love and I'm pretty passionate about. It's predator hunting. Um, today's guest, Steve Smith, he is a predator hunting nut, I would say. He's extremely dedicated, probably more dedicated than anybody I know about coyote hunting, um, bear hunting, everything. And the dude's just a killer. He's released a book called One More Stand that I think it's a great read. Um, I really loved reading it. It was a fun read. Uh, it's not super long, and it's just a book that really helped me get inside his head a little bit and kind of what he's thinking about. So, Steve, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm hoping we can get through this without cussing too much or <laughs> giggling a whole bunch. <laughs> well, um, I think we're going to do our best. Uh, can you give the listeners just a little background on just how you got into coyote hunting and kind of where this cow kind of come from well yeah so i'm gonna be 49 here in a couple weeks and uh in my early 20s um all i really ever hunted was deer and elk and i just i love to hunt you know how it is whatever tag comes up that's what i want to hunt and i wanted to extend my hunting um season so I just started thinking about hunting coyotes. And then in the in the book, I tell the story of the first coyote I ever called in. Um, but I started coyote hunting, and I started using my uh, deer rifle because it's all I had and could afford. And actually, I wanted to hunt coyotes to increase my shooting ability to kill deer. Well, I think that's, that's, I think that's a really understated thing. And I, that's what I wanted to talk about is I see so many guys out in the field that when it actually comes time to kill, they have this big lag. And I don't know if it's, it, I think it's one of those skills that you can lose. And I know a lot of us, I know for me, I grew up, I mean, started off with a pellet gun at like age eight and I'm out shooting everything. And those skills, like for a young man, young kid, whatever, it, I think 
they are so important. Just that pitcher acquisition, getting, you know, a moving target, whether you're shooting Tweety birds or squirrels or whatever it is, I think it's so important and it translates right over to mule deer hunting, every hunting. I mean, it's just so important and you watch like a first timer. I know it was interesting me like getting my wife into hunting, watching her. I mean, she hunted a little bit, but like that whole dynamic of learning all the things that come so natural to me and like to be able to shoot quickly and how important that is and to be accurate and to get a good setup i think coyote hunting like if there's one reason that i think cannot be understated enough like you can't to be good and to be fast and coyote hunting will make you do that like it's a really good practice real world uh, absolutely i don't like to shoot off a of band trust i'll take my gun uh, if I get a brand new gun, I'll take it to the range to just get it sighted in. Beyond that, I don't like doing it because I don't believe it's a real-world yeah, situation. for where, sure. Um, Kyle Henning is, and like you say, you got to be quick. So to illustrate this point, uh, I was just in Colorado hunting, and I had my oldest daughter out there. And uh, we got on a buck, and she just couldn't, she just couldn't get it to work. Yep. Whereas... I saw the buck, I'm like, boom, the thing's toast. Yep. And so I had to explain to her, she's very inexperienced. She's mm-hmm. never killed a big game animal. She's killed some coyotes and stuff. And uh, she was a big softball player. Mm-hmm. She grew up playing softball, um, had a scholarship to a, not a D1 school, but a junior college there in Arizona. And I just explained to her, I said, hey, honey, uh, when you see a pitch, when you see your pitch come in, you don't have to think. It's, think you're, yeah. you're seeing the pitch and you're swinging. Mm-hmm. There's my, before you even get the thought through your head, you're swinging. I said it's the same thing with shooting an animal. Yes. You're going to see that perfect shot and you're just going to react. But it takes a long time to learn what your pitch is and it takes a lot of experience, you know, how yep, shooting animals. For sure. You can't shoot them just whenever. You, oh, no. It, you've got to have that right angle. Yes. Everything's got to come together. Yep. But when it does, you just need to react. Yeah, and you got to make it happen. And that's the whole thing is like, I mean, I think about all, like, especially hunting big bucks. I mean, you, it could take, you, you could work months to finally get onto a buck. And sometimes the opportunity is you have minutes. I mean, it's just, or seconds, seconds really. Yeah. And you got to make it, you got to have it happen. Like, and it's got to be, a, you got to get off an accurate shot. And you might be in a weird position. Maybe the brush is tall, maybe whatever. And that's the whole thing about coyote hunting is like, you never know, especially calling them in. You never know which direction they're coming from. Like, it's just, it's one of those things in reaction and it, it's a lot of fun. And like, I've had some really good times with you, like just out and Steve's taking me out a bunch. I got to see kind of his methods and it's really fun. And that I just, I think it's very important for people to like take that. And the other thing is I know guys that are very experienced that have killed a lot of animals and I've been with them hunting and how long it takes them to get a shot off. It is, it's, it's not good. Like I think it, you've got to be fast with a rifle and it should come like you said about that pitch like that's so true is like you can't think about it. it should be just second nature like you should be so well dialed shooting off the ground shooting up maybe off your knees maybe it's a i think it's very important so yeah i'm glad you mentioned that so you get into it you were young you just wanted to get hunting more 
And so you started like, did you start with an electronic call or was a mouth call? Like what, how did you get into it? Cause I remember back in those <laughs> yeah. days, like there wasn't a whole lot of options. No. So, uh, actually I, I bought a couple mouth calls, but, uh, to be honest, I bought a tape recorder. Uh huh with the old tape, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, I would record sounds onto that and then take this tape recorder out. <laughs> and, uh, it worked a little bit. The volume just wasn't that great and the sounds just weren't that great, but I was broke, broke, man. Yeah. This was my early twenties in college. First, barely married, broke, broke. Yep. So I couldn't afford electronic calls. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did buy some, um, some mouth calls and started out that way. Actually, the first coyote I ever called in, I was just kissing on the back of my hand. So I was that broke. Yeah. Um, but since then, yeah, electronic calls have come so far, whether it's uh, Fox Pro or Lucky Duck. And Rick Plett has some, uh, I mean, they're actual sounds. Yeah. They're crystal like in- clear. They're digital. They don't warble in, in uh, high volume. Mm-hmm. They're their actual coyote vocals or actual rabbit in distress. They're phenomenal. Man. Yeah. So, and that's what, so when we'll jump into all this kind of like the difference between hand calling, electronic calling, like what kind of sounds you use, but for a guy that's getting it, like, so a guy, he's listening to this podcast, he's thinking, okay, here's December. And it's, you know, first part of December, I got this long height. Like I'm not going to be hunting. Most hunts are kind of wrapping up. But coyote hunting, and I mean, you take it to a next level. You're hunting all, you're hunting year round on coyotes. I mean, am I sure. wrong? Like you're yeah. out and about year round. So I think like to take this even through scouting season, um, all through next spring, summer, you're going nuts about it. And so for the average guy, I think it's a really, like you were talking about, you don't have to have a lot of money to get into this. I mean, what's a, you, you can take a deer rifle. I mean, just kind of give me a basic setup of like what a guy would need to just kind of get into this stuff. Like, what would you recommend? And you have some stuff in you, the book you talk about, like, the bipod versus shooting sticks. I want to get into that, but like some of the bared, like something the guy's got to have to get going. Well, you have to have a rifle. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your, uh, I started out with a 300 wind mag until that got too expensive to shoot. Like I mentioned yeah. before, I just wanted to become a better just shot. Just a deer rifle. Yep. Right? Um, you know, you could take your dad's 30-06 or a 6.5. I don't know if a 6.5 could kill a coyote, though. <laughs> I, these PRCs, who to it, can they? Can a 6.5? I think you'd be all right. And you could kill one. Um, but any any deer rifle or uh, any varmint gun, I use a 22-250, a Savage. It was a not an expensive gun. Um, I do have a nice scope on it. Um, but any just any rifle um and then shooting sticks or a bipod is if you're not if you don't have a bipod or shooting sticks i'd stay home yes i so i completely agree with that man i am i am such a believer in a good rest and like a coyote and i think a lot of people don't realize and we'll get into this a little bit but a coyote is a tiny target like you take you if any of you have ever skinned a coyote you know exactly what i'm talking about like they you take that fur off two inches of fur on both sides roughly 
on a fluffed up coyote in the winter. I mean, we're talking. You, you what, what's the? I mean, you yeah, five inches maybe of a kill zone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's tiny. So you're really and they're generally you can get them to stop. Sometimes, sometimes I've been like can't get them to stop, and so that whole you got to be good. You got to take a great shot on them. Um, dude, one of the funniest things, your bipods, I laugh so hard. Steve's <laughs> got more money than he knows what to do with. And he's got this handmade bipod. Now talk about that because when you let me use it, I was super impressed and I'm like, man, this really does work. Excellent. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I use shooting sticks. Uh, I have, oh, yeah, used, excuse me, shooting sticks. I, yeah. I have used bipods in the past, but I'm a little bit, I'm taller, so mm-hmm. they don't extend out. Uh, as long as I want them to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that they're as uh, easy to maneuver around brush. And then I use shooting sticks all year round. I use them on deer hunts when I'm hiking into the backcountry. I can use them as a walking aid, walking sticks. I can use them for a whole bunch of different things, mm-hmm. setting up a tent, uh, using it as a, I don't know, to dry my clothes or whatever. I always have mm-hmm. my shooting sticks. I don't have always. a bipod. I've been hunting with you, I don't know how many always. times, deer hunting, whatever, and you always got them. Yep. Always have them. I glass off of them yep. instead of using, uh, anyhow, yeah. they're just, they're way more versatile for me. I like having gear that does a multitude of, uh, things rather than just one specific yep. thing. Um, so yeah, the shooting sticks, I would just buy, uh, you know, primos or, um, the bog pods or whatever. Well, it got to be the point where I would miss some shots and I'd tomahawk these things into the <laughs> ground or I'd slam them against a rock and just in a fit of rage, you know, <laughs> after missing an easy shot and break them. Well, it got to be a little expensive. And then I got kids, you know, and they're, you know how much those things cost. So I'm constantly fixing uh, flat tires and whatever. They get goat's heads in them. And so I've got uh, inner tubes and bike tire yeah. tube just all over my house i'm like what can i use these for and so i started looking at my broken shooting sticks i'm like oh i could cut up some bike tire tube and put that over the ends and tape them down everybody's got paracord so i just make the hinge point with paracord and then bam my broken shooting sticks are now yeah awesome don't no, they're <laughs> better they're better than the ones you buy at the store and if you get into a pinch, you can take the paracord off and tie it around the coyote and drag it out. Or yeah. they're multi even more multi-purpose. Yeah. You know so the I first mean? time I think we went on a, I can't even remember where we went up. Like we went on a long drive and I'd forgot my shooting sticks and I was pissed. And you're like, Oh, here, I got an extra pair. And he hands me these things. I'm all, what in the world? Like there's a bike tube over two sticks. Yeah. And I kind of laughed, but I'm telling you, they really did work really good. And you have been packing those things everywhere. And I, I don't know. And they just, they really are versatile because whether you're sitting, like looking down a Valley, I know if you're sitting on the flat, you can get them right. Perfect height, whether that coyote's coming in below you, above you, they really do work really well. Like I've They're been in super my truck impressed. right now. Yeah. I yeah. guarantee they are. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. So, so shooting sticks, a rifle, and then like a call, like what would you recommend for a guy getting into like brand new, does a guy need an electronic call? I mean, do you think, I, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, what's your thoughts there? No, you don't. Uh, probably the best coyote hunter I know, Les Johnson, uh, he's been a multiple-time world champion. He's from Kansas. He's had that Predator Quest hunting show. Oh, yeah, show. okay. 
I've got one of his hand calls. That's all he's ever really used. He's lately he's got into the Lucky Duck uh, electronic calls, but he used a hand call for decades. And I mean, what what are we talking on a hand call? How much? I mean, ten bucks. Yeah, 20, get, maybe. Yeah. Um, and a rabbit in distress is that kind of the dude? Yeah. So this is where things can get, get crazy yeah. because uh, electronic calls will have hundreds mm-hmm. of different sounds. Yes. You can go buy a rabbit in distress call and call in just as many coyotes. Yep. The sound is very minimal in calling coyotes. So if you're just if you're brand brand new, you're broke like I was, you're in college, you're destitute and don't have any money and your job sucks and you can't make <laughs> any money anyhow, you probably have a gun. Uh use your gun that you have. Go get a set of uh, bipods. I don't really mess with the tripod much. Because it's just a third leg that confuses me. Uh, You're a pretty so, simple guy. Oh uh, yeah, I like stuff <laughs> as simple as can be. Uh, get a bipod for sure. Don't use a monopod. Those things are not good for anything. Um, and go buy a hand call mm-hmm. if if you're broke. Now, if you got uh, a couple hundred bucks burning a hole in your pocket, then yes. I would suggest going out and getting a good electronic call, whether it's a Fox Pro or a Lucky Duck. They both have great sounds. If you get on the Internet, look at these forums, and guys are, oh, I'm a Fox Pro only guy, or I'm a Lucky Duck only man. Man, the technology anymore is so good. They're all good. Rick Paulette has some. Tony TB has great sounds. You can download all this stuff. Uh, but even then it gets confusing yeah. and there's, there's hundreds of them on there. You need like four. Yeah. Um, what about decoys? I mean, we've, me, uh, me and you've talked about it a little bit, but I think like, you know, like, what are your thoughts there? You hear some guys like you got to have some movement or it can really help you out. I mean, what are your thoughts with that? I've never really used them. It's just too much. Now the lucky duck comes with a decoy built into the call that you can use. It's mm-hmm. just like two little pieces of fabric that look like a rabbit kicking mm-hmm. around or something. Yes and no. I think it can be effective, but I think it's, I just like simple. Yeah. Right. Yep. I don't like, I've had um, the 3d uh, coyote decoy that I'll set up out there, but then you're carrying a decoy and you're carrying a call and you're mm-hmm. carrying your gun. It just too much. Yeah. You know, well, no, I, I like it to keep it simple. And that's one thing that was kind of interesting to me is like, when I started going with you, I was wondering like, is this going to be like some, cause I, I, for my background, it was just a redneck. I go out and call coyotes, called a few bobcats in trying to call mountain lions, whatever. And I'm just shooting. I mean, I'm not anything serious about it. I never have. And I, and that goes clear back from when I was a kid, me and my dad go out. He had a dude, I think it was a Carlton's if I remember yeah. right. And it had like an adjustable end on it. And I mean, you could kind of change the pitch and whatever. And we'd call, you know, foxes in that kind of thing. And that was kind of how I kind of grew up. So it was pretty redneck, just whatever. But I was just always impressed because I was thinking, okay, Steve Smith, he's like this crazy guy. It's all he does is coyote hunt. And I was like, is he going to have all this crazy stuff? And it was just super simple. And you're just out there getting it done. And that's where it comes into like, I loved your book because the way you put that together is it's not like you're trying to sell guys on all this stuff they don't need. It's just Mm -hmm. simple. You get to the point and dude, and I just loved it. Like you were talking about starting out with a 300 Winchester, just some deer rifle that everybody has and that it can work. 
I just, I really like that about your approach to the coyote hunting thing. And, and so can you talk a little bit when we get into like, when you go to a place and you do this all the time, so you can, you're going to be really good with this, like to go to a place and this could go for a newcomer, maybe a guy that's called a bunch of coyotes. What are you looking for? And like, what is like your ideal stand location and how do you go about scouting and looking and like, say you're going to a new area and just to try to make the most of your time because you're really good at that and like the things you were telling me the first couple times i was with you i was like i'd never even thought about it so can you kind of just talk about that well yeah so uh you only have so many hours in a day right yep. you have you only have so many days in your life to hunt and a lot of us waste time not being effective mm -hmm. whether it's at work whether it's doing whatever mm -hmm. really so uh, whenever I'm driving anywhere, say I'm going on an antelope hunt to Wyoming, and I'm just keeping my eye out on the country, and I'm looking, and I'll just mentally make a note of, okay, I like this area. And maybe as we're driving, pull up the Onyx and put a waypoint down. Yeah. Or if I'm going somewhere, um, I'm just always looking. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I was flying in a plane. <laughs> uh and I was looking down over some country. I'm like, that looks like some really good coyote country. <laughs> um, so I'm just, I've always just been. Always thinking. And, 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 and let me clarify something. Uh, uh, people have come to think that I'm a good predator hunter or coyote hunter because I've killed a lot of coyotes. It's because I've gone a lot. Yeah, you're out of more than I, anybody I've ever met. I've never I've, seen I've gone out. a ton. But you're so good. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, you're bound you're bound to learn something and have success if you go a ton. Keep at it. Yeah. Uh, it's not something where you can just go out and go, "Well, I'm going to go kill five coyotes today and then uh, the next time I go out I'm going to kill three. Mm -hmm. You got to go a ton to yep. kill a ton. Um, so I'm always looking for different areas. I always have my gear with me. I have my uh, my gun in my truck right now in case there was just, I just happened to have some yeah. time and saw a place and thought, oh, this looks like a good spot. But what I really like to focus on is I like a mix of ag land that rolls up to rolling hills of sagebrush. Coyotes love ag land. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more prey animals there. Mm -hmm. I look for creek bottoms, uh, riparian areas where coyotes are going to be going after fawning deer, mm -hmm. right? Because yep deer yep stuff gravitates to creek bottoms yes for the willows for the mm -hmm. food for the water for etc so i love ag land a mix of that i love creek bottoms um i love big open just flat sagebrush flats because they're really hard to hunt mm -hmm. typically you'll hunt them with a shotgun because you're not going to see them at rifle range um but then to once i find a spot uh, I'll even get on Google Earth and I'll Google Earth it and 3D and look around and because you might have one little tiny area that has a nice creek bottom in it and the rest of the ground is just worthless, mm -hmm. right? You got steep ravines or you got mountains or whatever the topography is. Um, so when I plan a day to go coyote hunting, I want to utilize the entire day and I want to be able to make as many stands in that day as I possibly can to increase my chances of having an interaction with a coyote because um, it, it really just boils down to math. The more stands I can make, the more minutes I can call, ups my chances of yep. finding a coyote.
The Rockcast is powered by the number one GPS hunting app in the industry, Onyx Hunt. The Onyx Hunt Elite subscription will provide way more value than the $100 annual fee will cost you, and that's before you apply the 20% Rockcast promo code. You'll use Onyx on every hunt, every planning session, and now save money with exclusive deals on gear from the industry's best. Onyx Elite also includes application and draw odds tools, educational resources for all species, exclusive mapping and scouting tools, and last but not least, access to nationwide coverage and now Canada. Onyx Hunt Elite is trusted by millions. Onyx has also released new features to help make hunters more successful. Already known for nationwide public and private land ownership and being a fully functional GPS without service, Onyx Hunt has just released new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates Onyx has for this hunting season. So try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code ROCKCAST for 20% off your new Onyx Hunt membership. If I can only, if I'm fumbling around in an area and I can only find five places to make stands instead of really dialing it in and, and finding an area where I can make 10, mm-hmm. I'm cutting my chances in half. For sure. 100%. Yep. Um, so I'll get on Google Earth. I'll look at all the roads. I'll look at the surrounding area. I'll get on Onyx because then that shows me where the private land is and where I can access certain areas and this and that and the other. And I don't even necessarily need to get permission on the private land if I can find a little piece of BLM that's adjacent to. And call the coyotes in. You can call the coyotes in to the the huntable area, right? Um, And then I'll make waypoints on my Onyx of, okay, I need to to turn it this road. But then I'll also plan out, uh, okay, what direction am I going? Am I going east to west? Am I going north to south? The sun's going to be coming up this way. This ground works this way. I want the sun behind me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be looking into the sun. I'll look at the wind a little bit. Okay, which way is the wind blowing? I'm usually mostly looking at wind for how hard it's going to be blowing. I'm not necessarily as concerned with direction. We can talk about yeah. that in a minute, too. But I want uh, the sun I definitely want behind me or off yeah, to can my we, side. Can we talk about the sun? Because I'm going to be honest, man. A lot of deer hunters, and I, that's like my back. Like, that's what I'm always like. I kind of come from that deer hunting background. I really, I know a lot of guys that really are worried about having the sun at their back when they're glassing. And to me, I'm actually kind of the opposite. Like, more than... I would say seven out of 10 times when I pick a spot to glass, I actually want the sun coming up right in my face. Like I want to look. And the reason for that is, is when I'm glassing, I want to be looking in the shadows. And a lot of people don't talk about like, so the deer are going to usually stay on their feet a little more in the shadows. It's just kind of what I found. Now it is hard. And if it's long range glassing, like I'm looking miles, then that doesn't work. But if it's like just depending, but when we were going out, I, I remembered you, we went to a new spot and as we were driving through here, 
this is the other thing you're always thinking like you mentioned that but you really are like when we were driving you were always thinking we're driving these dirt road blm roads and you're always thinking you're always looking like hey and you're stopping and you're pulling up onyx and wondering how big is this ravine what you're doing all this stuff but the sun that really surprised me and i know that i had made very serious mistakes setting up stands and can you talk about like why you want the sun at your back instead of in your face like because you you really pounded that into my head and i i implemented that after and i know it made a difference oh sure well the sun's just a big flashlight shining right on (laughs) you right whether it's in your face it's on your skin it's on the glass of your scope it's shining on your rifle barrel it's shining on your shooting sticks it just illuminates Mm -hmm. you too much your clothing can Mm -hmm. be shiny and that's not that's not natural in yes in coyote world yep. right so if they see something shiny uh it's going to deter them mm-hmm. they might hang up they might not ever come in and again so when you're glassing for deer in the shade they're hard to see mm-hmm. i hate doing yeah it. for Wyoming sure i mean this year yeah that's not fun to yeah do. yeah i want an angle yep well the same thing with a coyote if the sun's behind you they're going to be illuminated you're going to be in in the shadows i always like to be in the shade of a bush or something just to get the sun off of me um it just makes it it makes them more visible makes you less visible you're trying to stack the advantages Mm -hmm. in your favor because you're hunting coyotes are dang smart oh the smart well dude they're smarter than mule deer yeah they are the one of the most intelligent especially now and i think it's very important an old coyote you know, they say it's the hardest animal on earth to trap. You know, you can talk to even like experienced wolf guys, you know, and wolves are hard to trap, but like, dude, coyotes, like an old experienced coyote is one of the hardest animals to outwit. Like you, it's rare to shoot a coyote with no teeth left in its head. Like, you know, like it just doesn't like an old coyote is different. And, you know, like a young pup you might, and that's where I think too, I would make mistakes is I would have a stand work out for me. I'd shoot a couple young pups, which is pretty common. You shoot a young pup coming in and you're like, oh, well, this is going to work. Well, you're not, you're just not targeting all of the coyotes available. And whether it's because I was doing whatever, you know, we could go on and on about things doing wrong, but I think, yeah, that's important. And I think to kind of highlight, have you like, if you're listening, I think this is kind of what best put that in my head so a coyote's coming in he's hearing something he is on full like so you're calling him in he has his attention like he's like okay where is it he is looking whether you're using an electronic call or a hand call he's looking in your general vicinity if he sees anything that pops out at him from that from whatever distance he's starting at maybe he's out a mile maybe he's 300 yards maybe he's whatever but he's focused over there and somebody's sitting in the sun it's pretty funny i've been deer hunting and like bow hunting you know everybody's in full camo and you run your glass down a ridge and you see somebody sitting in the sun (laughs) dude they stick out like a sore thumb against like natural objects and like so you talking i think that's just such a good like that's a really that's a million dollar coyote tip right there and i just think it's very important to really try to sit in that shadow or and you just illustrated it perfectly to me i know when we were out there that was a big deal for me and that was a big learning thing because i didn't i wasn't thinking about that well yeah we have a common friend i'm not going to mention his name because he'll he'll hear (laughs) this but he's going to know who he is we were down in uh, southern utah hunting up where the 
the desert sheep are mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's real open down there and uh, we're calling this big flat what that had a canyon off to the side and um, I got tucked in behind a rock and I was in the deep shade and he was up above me to my left a little bit and I could notice that he was a little bit he was right on the edge of the sun and the shade uh-huh. I'm like oh man that's not good. Yeah. But he's too far away for me to say correct anything, him and yeah. say, hey. And he's an experienced hunter. Oh, yeah. He's well, good. Anyhow, we're calling, and here comes a bobcat. And I, I see him instantly, like 250 yards or whatever. I'm like, oh, awesome. Bobcat's coming in. He's slinking in, and he gets to a sagebrush, and I'm already on him. I've got the gun up. I'm, I'm ready to shoot. And his demeanor just changed instantly. And he just turned. With I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. I'm you're set. You're I'm ready. I'm set. And he just he drops down to the ground and he belly crawls out of there and he gets out of there and drops down in the canyon. Well, I turn around. There's there's our buddy up there. <laughs> He's scrambling down the hill towards me. Oh, we got. Did you see that? He's freaking out. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw the I saw the bobcat. I was getting ready to shoot it and it just got out of here because it saw somebody. Yeah, and that that somebody wasn't me, bud. So. Yeah, no, but it's it, just a it's good... It's little things like that. It's a million-dollar point. Well, it and it, it goes to any kind of hunting, whether it's yeah. elk or anything. It's these little uh, details and little things that can burn you. Yes. Just like you were talking earlier about shooting, you can go scout all summer long. You can pattern a buck. You can go hunt mm-hmm. four states and two countries like mm-hmm. you have this year. <laughs> and when it comes time for that opportunity... Yeah, better. And you... Yep. You don't know how to shoot off your shooting sticks, or you don't know how to position your gun, but you just wasted yes. the whole time. Yes. Right? For Am sure. I wrong? Yeah, no, for 100%. So it's the details that oh, get yeah. you. No, and I think so. And like with calling, like when you set up to, you talked about like sitting like a brush behind you or, or sitting out in the front, like to have your silhouette broke up. Like talk about that too, and like using. And I think that goes without saying, and most guys would realize that. But I think at the same time, when you set up, I thought it was interesting, and you kind of were going over setups. I was almost worried. Like, I was almost – I think a mistake I made, I was getting too far into the brush, if that makes sense. I was trying to bury myself in the brush, nervous that they were going to see me. But then it was almost preventing me from getting off an accurate shot because I had brush everywhere. And you really, like, kind of – like when I was hunting with you, that's one thing I learned is I was like, okay, so Steve's really making sure he's got his outline broke up good, but he's still sitting in a spot where he can see really well and he can get off a shot. Cause that's the other thing is you cannot plan when, where a coyote's coming from. You never can like, I, at least in my experience, it's like they can come from any direction. One thing that we will get into is like the downwind thing mm-hmm. that that seems pretty common, but I've had them come from behind, from the side, like everything. And so you really set up, so kind of talk about like selecting that spot where you're going to sit down and you're going to start calling. So this is one thing that I, I tried to explain in the book. Everything else you can teach, right? You can yeah. teach how to call. You can teach how to hold still. You can teach, hey, don't leave your keys in your truck ignition when you're opening the door and it chimes and dings and alerts everything in the area. <laughs> that was the one thing that I struggled trying to depict and teach in the book was how do you pick a stand selection? Mm-hmm. Now, a stand selection is just 
uh, you've done your homework, you're in an area, and you pick a spot to sit. Mm-hmm. That's a stand selection. Now, the country is different everywhere. Yes. Well, stand selection can, it is the number one thing above everything else, above your gear, above uh, your calling sequence, above everything. If you don't set up your stand the correct way and sit in the correct spot, you might not ever have success. Mm -hmm. So I think about it as being a sniper. Now, I haven't gone to the Marine Corps or the Navy SEAL sniper school, but you've got to pick an area and a specific spot in that area where you're going to sit so that you have a commanding view of the area. Mm -hmm. You want to be hid. This is one of the advantages to have an electronic call because you can set it up, you know, 50 yards away from you or 30 yards away and distract the animal yes. to that specific sound because they will zero in on mm-hmm. that. It's pretty amazing, ex- actually. Ex- exact spot. But then you've got to be hidden, but then you were you mentioned it perfectly. Uh, there might be a sagebrush that's 10 yards in front of you off to your left that obscures your, your view mm-hmm. of 30 degrees of your view. Yep. Well, that... That's where that coyote's going to show up. Yeah, it seems where like you it. can't see every time. That's where yeah. they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're in southern Utah uh, a couple years ago, and it was a new area. And uh, I set up the call. My buddy was downwind of me, you know, a hundred yards or so, and started playing the call. And as luck would have it, a coyote comes in on the upwind side, straight in line with the juniper tree that's down below me, but it's blocking the whole lane of this. We had, you know, 180 degree degree Mm -hmm. view. He comes in on the lane where that tree is. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. There was a hole in the tree and he got to shotgun range and, uh, I couldn't get a shot at him. Ended up not killing that coyote because of, I didn't set up properly. And that was because of my unfamiliarity with the area. Um, whereas we can get into routes and, and hunting areas over and over and over again to really increase your yeah, for success sure. and your ability to learn. But you've got to look at an area and go, okay, I need to sit here. And if it takes you a couple minutes, I would rather spend two or three minutes figuring out just exactly where to sit. Because mm-hmm. it could be as little as, okay, I'm going to sit here. And you sit down and you're like, oh, I just... Don't feel right. I don't have the right angle. You can move three feet, and then, oh, this is the spot. Or you might need to move 50 yards. Mm -hmm. It just depends on the area. But this is where it comes down to each hunter has to go there and use your mind and go, okay, I'm looking at this. How tall is the sagebrush over here? How deep's the grass? Where's this ridge? Where's that? I need to sit right here. Yep. Um, Now, aside from being not silhouetted on a ridge line, you can sit in pretty wide open stuff and, and they can't see you, especially if you're in the shade, mm-hmm. if you're in the shade of a tree, in the shade of a rock or whatever, as long as you're holding still. Mm-hmm. If you're moving, they're going to see you. But holding still, you just look like a clump of something. Yep. With the, you know, you're gone on a stick and uh, you can be hit up. But to be honest, it's just trial and error. Yeah, Figuring for sure. out how to set your stand up. Some are going to be real obvious. Some are going to be a little bit of a struggle. Some are going to be better than others. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. But 
you've got to figure that out because mm-hmm. if you're not sitting in the right spot, I mean, like I said, you could be three feet this way and the coyote could come in on that side and you don't get them and that's one of your three chances you're going to get that day. Yep. Right? Yep, for sure. So, And while we're on that subject, what about your face? I mean, I, I know it's funny, like whether you're duck hunting, no matter what hunting you're doing, I have seen guys like I, there was this actually this year on my wife's elk hunt, there was this guy and he was standing. I mean, he's about a thousand yards away from me. And with my naked eye, he was sitting in the brush with my naked eye. I could see his face shining. Like it was unbelievable. And I've seen that duck hunting too, where guys are hunting geese, ducks, whatever. And like the face, like a human face, it's shining in the sun even if it's not in the sun just like out exposed like what are your thoughts so face mask obviously uh ball cap try to keep you know any sun like right off your face like what do you do there uh well this goes back to sitting in the shade Mm -hmm. yeah i like the shade uh i will wear a real thin um balaclava uh because a lot of time it's cold when you're out you know i like to hunt them when they're when it's cold and they're fluffy um, but then I'll also wear gloves too, because any kind of skin is going to shine. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah. it, and so you you would. Uh, that's where I was going to. Is that's something I hate. Hate shooting in gloves. I hate shooting in gloves, and I hate doing it. And like you had mentioned it to me when we were out there, like, hey, you know, like gloves. Like you, you ought to do it. Um, that's just something that I think some people like, it's just easy to forget about that. And I just think a couple of those things, like covering your face, gloves. Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah, shooting with gloves on is not as. Uh, but you can do it. Um, it. It takes a minute yeah. to figure yeah. it out. It's just, and I use a real thin cotton mm-hmm. glove, right? Because really, you're only on the coyote stand for 20, 30 minutes, yeah. and then boom, you're back in the truck yep. and you can warm up. Yep. Right? For sure. But I just, I want the glare off of me. I don't want anything shining. Um, what about guns? So I know. You don't probably want to take um, your dad's old Weatherby Mark V that has glossy stock, big shiny barrel. I mean, that's probably not the best selection. So I've seen guys um, throw tape, like a simple tape over the barrel of an old gun. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, cam- you see some guys get crazy with camouflage. You're not like that, but your, your guns are a dull color. Yeah. Um, they're just there's no shininess to them and i think that's an important thing too is like even a watch too like we don't think about stuff like that or eyeglasses it's just them shiny things like that's one thing like a coyote dude they're impressive and like how they pick up on that stuff um what do you do like to prep a gun or what would you recommend somebody to prep a gun well yeah anything that's not shiny so i starting out i did have a howla 22 250 that was a nice gun Stainless steel barrel, a little shinier. I did try the tape and stuff on that gun. But that was a big, heavy gun. It was mm-hmm. like a 12-pound setup. Deadly accurate. Yeah. Though, man, that thing. Yeah. Uh, you they make point, a good You just pointed yeah, in the for, general yeah. area of a coyote and yep. it killed it. Well, um, now I've got a, it's a Savage Axis, uh, black barrel, black synthetic stock, and I painted it with some, just some uh, dull flat camo paint. Yeah. Uh, painted the whole thing and it gives it a little more protection against whatever mm-hmm. right and i i don't pamper my guns no 
No, you don't. I mean, yeah. you're getting snow and dirt and grime yeah. and blood. and I don't pamper yep. them, man. So especially with a coyote gun, you know, that Savage Axis cost me maybe $300. Um, it gets beat up. Um, I do clean the barrel. I clean the action. I try to keep it as clean as possible, but I don't have a $1,000 long-range setup because I don't. I don't want to shoot a coyote at 800 yards and half walk 800 yards to go find it. <laughs> I want them sub 100 yards, yeah. right? And, and to your shotgun, let's talk about that a little <laughs> bit too because, Steve, yeah. um, I used to be the guy like I was lazy. I didn't want to pack a shotgun. And I think I went on a couple stands with you, didn't get a shot off because a coyote come from my side and about yeah. jumped on me, landed on me, and like never got a shot. Um I think a shotgun is very important to carry, like, and it's simple. Like, it's not yeah. even a big deal. Like, you use uh, out-of-the-box Remington A70, right? I mean, yeah. you've had it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I've had my uh, my Remington 870 Express since I was probably 22. Um, just a shotgun. And you pack man. it every – you, uh, yeah, you pack yeah. it every time we go. And, I mean, yeah. whether you use it or not – but there's a lot of times you get three coyotes coming in and you're on a rifle and they're, and it's weird. Cause they do, they'll come in from all different directions. Yeah. It, it's not as easy to swing around and yeah. Well, and a shotgun kill is, is a lot more exciting than yes. a rifle kill, right? Cause yep. they're usually right in your face. It's just more fun. Like the, the very first coyote I ever called in, I shot it with the, with that shotgun and some high brass four shot because I was hunting yeah. chuckers. Yeah. And it smashed it. Yeah. And 30 yards right in the head. It put it down. So what do you instantly. what do you use on shot? What are you what are you you run a buckshot? You run <laughs> just four shot? No, uh, the believe it or not, the vast majority of my shotgun kills have been four shot. Gotcha. Just high brass, mm-hmm. pheasant load. Yep. I do have uh the coyote um uh, double bb nickel plated something or other i've killed them with t-shot you know the big three and a half inch goose Mm -hmm. loads that puts a hurt on yeah i'll bet you know 40 or 50 yards it just hammered a coyote but uh just whatever i really yeah just a shot yeah whatever yeah Yeah. because because those the double lot buck and the bb and they're expensive Mm -hmm. those coyote loads are not cheap yeah for sure we're you know, you're paying, I don't know, 12 bucks for four of them or something. Yeah, they're something, ridiculous. Where you can go buy a whole uh, box, 25 count yeah. of high brass fours for Last what, season. eight? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Yeah. So, well, that's cool. And I'm glad we talked about that. So, yeah, you're always packing a shotgun too. I think that's really smart as it will happen. The, the time you don't, you, you might go on 10 stands and you never needed a shotgun. Yep. And then the one you don't take it, like I know I've gotten lazy. I'm like, oh, this one's a little long walk. I'll just take my rifle. And right. that's when I wish I'd had a shotgun. So, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we've kind of talked about selecting a stand. So once you sit down, so... Well, let, one more thing. I just wanted to talk about it. You mentioned it a little bit. So you're using your truck to get through an access country. How are you navigating that with your truck? Like, Because you do a really good job. And I, I guess for me hiding the truck and like thinking about the truck and like you when we were getting out you know don't slam the doors don't you know make you got your key pulled out making sure your lights aren't on and they're dinging so just like talk about using your truck and to access and why 
you would use your truck and i know you'll go on longer walks too but what do you like so why the truck and accessing okay. goes into so, productivity but i just wanted to talk about that it's one of those little details but it can make uh, a lot of difference so it starts with google earth on mm -hmm. finding an area yep. okay and then you don't really know exactly what the area looks like until you're actually in the area so i'll drive slow i don't have the radio blaring um if there's snow we're you, look, looking for tracks we're looking for tracks yep. uh we're being quiet i'm not rodding around i'm just kind of creeping around and because uh, you never know where they're where you're going to find a coyote and then yeah so when you're getting out of the truck i take my key out of the ignition before the door is open because your truck is going to ding 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 yep. that's not a normal sound yeah um i don't slam the door I just push the door shut. Um, I don't talk loud. You know, it's hunting. We're mm -hmm. whispering. We're quiet. We're sneaking into an area. Because there might be a cot 100 yards away. There might be one 300 yards away. There might be one 1,000 yards away. We don't know. And you're <coughs> looking for a low spot to park the truck? You yeah, park it's got to be. You've got to keep your truck hidden from the area that you're hunting. Yep. Whether you've got to walk 30 yards or you got to walk a hundred yards. Mm -hmm. I try not to walk a long ways because then you're just burning up time walking that you could be Run utilizing that time to make another stand. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's all about math. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so you, the truck just has to be hidden from the area that you're calling for all the reasons that we've talked about before. Noise, mm -hmm. shine that the coyotes see. Oh, what's that big shiny floor yeah. doing over there? <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I don't know <laughs> they if don't that's like, a Ford They don't like not. a stop truck, I guarantee it. No, From they a guy don't. that likes to shoot them free off the roads. I, and right? I don't care about Yeah, they don't yep. like you stop, a coyote's on the move. Like, they don't yep. like a truck sitting there. Yep. So just it, a lot of this is common sense, but it goes back to we're controlling what we can control. Mm -hmm. We're controlling uh, where we go in the area. We're controlling our speed going through the area. We're controlling the noise that we make. We're controlling how we set up our stand, right? We're taking care of everything that we can to increase our odds. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is left, left up to the coyotes. So, um, yeah, just keep it hidden. Keep and when it you're walking into a place, you, you kind of – so I know – and I do this deer hunting too, but I, I try to – when I'm walking into a place, I'm trying not to – ease up some ridge line standing out there like an idiot and i mean that goes without saying but i think it's important to talk about one thing like so i remember one stand we made honestly i bet we were only 80 yards from the truck as the crow flies we were literally up and over this hill but we walked down this and i'm thinking okay where are we going and it was i can't even remember where we were but we walked down the drainage then we come back up the drainage a little bit got up a little elevation so we could see and I think a lot of your average hunters, they would have just jumped out of the truck, blown up over top of that ridge and just, and set up a stand. And maybe it does work, but you really do. Like you're thinking, and the thing is, is when I was asking you about it, you're like, I'm like, I'm like, that was a good move. Like to do that. You just kind of laugh like, well, duh, duh. But I'm just thinking like that really, those types of behaviors that you're doing when you're hunting, especially coyotes next to a road those coyotes are hearing trucks going down a lot of these blm roads i mean hunting season just got over they're hearing trucks like that's not alarming to them but the second somebody's a uh, human figures out wandering down the, the skyline it, it puts and they are always watching they're always paying attention 
so it just it just i just wanted to hit that and like you i think it was just funny because as i'm sitting here watching i'm watching how you were going about doing things i'm like yes makes perfect sense but it's just one of those things that i think a new coyote hunter might not think about like trying to access and be smart about how you get in there it's just important well a new hunter in general right you see like i take my boy out and uh, we go deer hunting or we had his mountain goat hunt or whatever and uh it's not that they're dumb they're just inexperienced Mm -hmm. right so like you were like i was growing up you're stomping around you're being noisy you're not paying attention or whatever the thing is uh you know, in this book, I've just tried to condense this and try to help speed up the learning yes, curve for sure. so that guys can have fun and have a good experience and become better because we need, it's not fun to go hunting for days and days and days and never days see anything and never yeah, see anything sure. and never have any success. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So unless you're crazy like you and you like to go hunt four <laughs> states in two different countries and you know what I mean? Yeah. hunt from daylight till dark from <laughs> september 1st till thanksgiving i can't do it yeah right but you want to have fun yeah, it's sure. got to be enjoyable you got to con- control the bottom line is is you've got to control everything that you can as a person because uh, you never know where that coyote's yes. going to be you could skyline he could be right there he could see you could not see him yep and that could be your percentage of your day that you're going to call a coyote in but you screwed it up because you skylined yourself and you weren't being careful. hundred percent. Well, and it's just, I think it's funny when you go with somebody with experience and I was lucky to go with you, like, you know, and go and see that because I know my success, like just to see an experience, like going with, uh, experienced coyote hunters, uh, Dan Wilhelm, when I was younger, I used to go with him. He was good too, like really smart about, and just going with you guys that do it all the time. Like it just kind of opened my eyes up a little bit. Like I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, that's how, you know, it just makes more sense. And I know success went up for me because when I was young, dude, I, it was 30 stands and I got one pup to come in versus like what I can do now. And I'm still not good at it. It's just Well, fun, sure. It's yeah. like we go deer hunting and I pick up things from you like, oh, yeah, I really do need to look into the sun more. Yeah. It's not fun. No, to do. it's not. But these are, these are, uh, these are species specific things mm-hmm. that you've got to do. If you want to find big bucks, you've got to be doing that. Just right? different They're stuff, not going to yeah. be on an open hillside no. in the, in broad daylight once in a great while. Yes. There's always that anomaly. For sure. Um, but like, you're really good at doing that. Your eyesight is phenomenal. Uh, I know Robbie mentioned this earlier that he sees twice as many bucks with you. And I, I guarantee uh, you just have a supernatural ability uh to see deer it you know and that's another thing that we can talk about too is uh stand selection is probably the greatest thing but you've got to be able to see coyotes yeah and so i was going to say like the top i would maybe we'll jump into that so i kind of had a top three mistakes as a and i'm coming at this as a novice coyote hunter that i think mistakes that i have personally made and learned from so like the top three things that i think i was doing wrong and i know some other guys would probably be doing the same thing and then like i asked you i said can you kind of come up with a top three so like number one for me was i was talking about setup and we've went through that but dude i think 
where I was making a big mistake is, is I was setting up in places that I literally could not see the coyotes. And I told you the story. This is a, and I think this story goes, is a good story to tell. So I was out in the CRP. Um, I had seen a bunch of coyotes there and I'm like, I'm coming back here. I'm going to call this. So it's a really flat, almost rolling hill CRP grass. Now it's probably only, I don't know. It was, it wasn't even up to my waist, most of the grass. So I'm sitting here, I make this stand and I'm watching. And I think it was, you know, and it wasn't really long into it. It was five, 10 minutes of calling sequence. And dude, you want to, the only reason I saw this coyote, and this is the craziest thing is he's, it had just snowed and I love to go after, I, I'm a big fan of going after a fresh snow. I 100%. love that. Yeah. So it had just snowed. Well, he's coming through this grass and it was, it was about this time of year. It was early in the season. There wasn't a bunch of snow, like matted the grass down. All I see is the snow falling off of the grass. I did not, could not see the coyote. So I'm sitting at a, it's fairly flat. I honestly thought I was calling in a badger and I've done that before. I've called in badgers. I thought it was a badger coming in, like the way the snow was falling, dude. And it was a coyote. And I remember when he was standing there and he kind of come up where I could see him. I shoot him and I walked out there and I'm, I remember, I'll never forget this. When I walked out there, I was thinking how in the world, like I would have, if it wouldn't have been snow, I don't think I would have seen that coyote. Like, and I didn't even get a good look at him when I shot him. And I think in my head, I think that I can see coyotes better than you can. And I think a lot of us that are deer hunters, whatever, we're used to like deer sized animals or you look at a coyote out in a mode hay field and he looks big sitting out in that field but really at the end of the day he's how tall you know when i used to trap and i'd run snares i mean you're running your snares like way closer to the ground oh yeah than you would ever like that's where his head's at like they're tiny they're not big and so that just really opened my eyes up like i have to think about these places that i'm calling because if you can't see them you're wasting your time. Like you're, yeah. you'll never shoot them. Yeah. So you got to be able to see. And that just really, I'll never forget that lesson that I learned that field that day in that CRP field. Like it was mind blowing to me, like how that thing was hiding out there. And then if you're calling in an area where you might get foxes, you might get a bobcat. That's even times yep. it's to 10 times. Like when they come in, a fox is tiny. Yeah. Like, so it's just one of those things like, and in sagebrush, you want to be in something and we call sagebrush all the time, but at least it's broken. We can see. So that was one thing that i like on my list that was super high and you had it on your list too we talked about it so one thing i i have noticed too and you'll relate to this you talked about this uh, with spotting mule deer mule deer can be really hard to glass especially mm -hmm. in like oak brush or yes. sagebrush hills or whatever the case is i take binos but i'll sit down and i'll just i'll pan with my eyes mm-hmm and it's almost like your brain memorizes what the country looks like for sure right i, I agree and then if anything changes in that color, I'm looking for color. Mm -hmm. Coyotes have white on their throat, mm -hmm. or there could they could be a, a really light-colored coyote Maybe compared some to red the sage. on their back or something. Yep. something Just a slight out. color change. Mm -hmm. Or a tail. Their tail doesn't stand up like a dog. They yep. keep it tucked. But I'm looking for a slight color change. And I can spot a coyote even still today at a mile. No, you're, you are, with, with yeah. A, with mm -hmm. a color variation, a change, they're extremely subtle. And this just comes from spending a lot of time yes. doing it. Just like yep. your eyesight with deer is superb. 
I'm looking for color changes and a little bit of movement. Now, there's going to be times where coyotes come running in. Yes, for You're sure. You're going to just see blur of movement and, ah, man, here mm-hmm. I And then it's just adrenaline, the brain, what do I do? Yes. Those are the easy ones to see. Most of the time, especially high-pressured coyotes, they're going to just be coming in slow. And calculated. Calculated. They're using the country. Yes. Like, yes. Just like a mule deer, like, you know, you watch a big old buck, and he's going through the country. He's going through the low depressions. He's yes. coming over in saddles you can't see, and that's coyotes. Like Because yes. he knows the country. Yep. That's his house. You're in his house. Yes. So even though we think we're in the most tactical position, it's still the coyote's bedroom, mm-hmm. right, or kitchen. Um, so you've got to be able to see them. You pursue them, you cherish them, and now it's time to protect them. This is the Mule Deer Foundation. Our mission is the conservation of mule deer, black-tailed deer, and their habitats, the heart and soul of the West. Join the herd today and help us preserve the legacy of these majestic creatures for generations to come. Your membership supports essential conservation projects, research initiatives, and educational programs that secure a future for mule deer and black-tailed deer. Our deer, our heritage, our responsibility. Don't just witness their journey, be a part of it. Join the herd. Together, we can make a difference. Visit muledeer.org today. And uh, so I took my daughter on a hunt in Wyoming, and and I knew there was a pair of coyotes because they had been howling at us from a previous location. And I thought, well, we'll work in uh, around there here in a minute, and we'll see if we can call them up. We'll give them a break. We went and called another area, mm-hmm. and then we, we hooked back around. So I get her set up. And I wasn't smart about it. I, I, I was giving her her own section, and then I was probably 20 yards away covering another section, thinking she'd be able yeah. to see. Calling, calling, calling. Nothing's coming in on my side. And I'm like, well, it's been 20 minutes, and uh, nothing showed up. I went, where did this pair go? They have to be here somewhere. And I got up and I walked over to her, and they were right there. Right there. They were, one was like 80 yards away and the other was <laughs> 120 yards away, coming right to her. She couldn't see him. Just yep. because uh, novice, beginner yeah, hunters, sure. they just don't know. Yep. Your brain is not calculating and figuring out, mm-hmm. what is that over there? Yeah. It takes time. This, for sure. A lot of this takes time. It's like basketball or football yeah, or whatever. Sure. You've got to develop these skills, yep. you know? Um, so scene selection we've went over i think we've went into that pretty detail but like just i think maybe having a little more of a high ground that was another point i wanted to make is i try to look instead of like calling on level places like i'll try to call where i have a little bit of high ground it's amazing you know just a few feet in elevation you can see them just that much better coming through sagebrush that yeah, kind it's of all thing it yeah it j- and it's just things like that the other, the other thing that I know I screwed up on so much, I would, so years ago, I was kind of like you, I was shooting, I'd just take, you know, a 30 six, or I just had some rifle, wasn't a sh- super, super f- flat shooting, fast rifle. I'd just take a rifle, dude, not ranging. I would, a coyote would come in, 
and I was like in this hurry that I got to hurry and shoot him as soon as I can see him. Like, and I would miss, I would shoot over him a lot of times because I just miscalculated the range. Um, I think now, like as years went by, I ended up like shooting a 220 Swift. I've went to a 22-250. But I mean, like a good flat shooting rifle, I think that helped me a lot was just that I could put my crosshairs on him, whether he was 300, in at 100, and I kill him. Yeah. And I think it's easy to miss a coyote. I can't like state it too much and it happens all the time. They're not a big target. And I know like making sure a range like, or, you know, a lot of guys now have a range finder. I mean, just like understand your ranges and you could just be accurate. Don't shoot and miss. Cause they're like, it sucks. You just educated a coyote. Yep. Yeah. So like, what would you say like your number two on like, uh, mistakes common mistakes people make well other than uh if we stand selection uh not being able to see them not being patient yeah so let's get into that like so when you get there and you set up and this could this surprised me because this wasn't how i had i i had gotten used to calling in stupid young coyotes they were they were like talking about how you, you mentioned them running in that's what I thought, like the first times that I called coyotes in, I thought, oh, that's how they all come in. They all come in running, stupid, and they're here in six minutes. Yeah. And then I, I'd be bored in 10 minutes and I'd freaking stand up, there's nothing here, and I'd leave. You are way different about that. Like, and that really surprised me is like you go through a, so can you kind of run down your sequence? So you're in a new spot, you sit down, you get your scene selection, run me through your calling sequence. Typically, I know you use different sounds, whatever, but just run me through a typical sequence. Sure. So, uh, patience with anything, whether it's hunting deer, I mean, what kind of patience do you need with deer? You need all of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard. Any, any hunting, you need patience in life mm-hmm. with yeah. kids, with whatever Everything. it is. Uh, coyote hunting, I think a lot of people have this preconceived notion that uh, you can sit down, you can throw a call out, and you can play a certain sound on a certain day, and these coyotes are just going to bomb in. Or they're just dogs, or they're just not that smart. I think that's a big mistake, uh, having these preconceived ideas that, that's the number one thing people ask me. What sounds do you use? And it comes from uh, ignorance of thinking that, well, if I play Jackrabbit in Distress on Volume Eight, they're going to magically appear. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're. Uh, how do you kill a big buck? There's got to be a big buck where you're hunting. A hundred percent. If there's not, then yeah, you're what not do you get one. right? Yeah. It's the same thing with coyotes. There's got to be a coyote in mm-hmm. the area. So. I'll go in, I, I have my stand selection, I go set up, get the call out, I'm downwind of the call and I'm uphill of it, so I've got the, the most technical uh, situation going. Unless it's blowing hard, mm-hmm. I always, always will start out with a female invite howl uh, for a variety of reasons. I want to be a female, I want to be inviting, I'm calling out to other coyotes, hey, I, I'm a female over here. If there's a male and he's ready to mate and breed, boom. Mm-hmm. That's here. Come get me. Work for like a territorial coyote here, another one in there. Yeah, area. a pair. A work. pair. Yeah. Yeah, a pair. Here's a, a, 
a female calling, oh, she's in our area. Yeah, what's she doing? Yeah. Uh, me and my boy killed a double with that very scenario. So I'm, And I learned this from Randy Anderson. He had uh, a lot of DVDs that I Yeah, had. he was a legend. I mean, oh, honestly, in is. the coyote. I mean, he Out did, in Kansas, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. So I always, always, always use a female invite howl. Uh, unless it's blowing hard and then coyotes aren't going to be howling because when they're howling, they're trying to communicate to other coyotes. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm over here. Let's mate. Let's hunt. Let's fool around. Let's whatever. Um, and it's a preset amount of seconds. I think that call takes 45 seconds of her howling. Gotcha. And then, because they don't just sit there and howl for 30 minutes. No, not typically. Yeah. Right? Yep. Your throat's going to get yeah. sore. Um and then I give it a break. I'll sit and I'll just sit and sit and wait, look around. And that time, how long do you think that is in your break? What do uh, you it, does, it doesn't matter. It could be two minutes. It could be yeah. five minutes. Could okay. be so it's not ten. like a calculated, but it's, no. a, it's at least a few minutes. Years. Yeah, because I'm trying to set up a realistic scenario yes. here. I'm yep. not just. For sure. Some, some guys will go out and they'll play a female invite howl. As soon as she's done howling, they go out and play pray distressed that's probably what i'd be doing i'm I'm pushing buttons and i'm trying to get them yeah i want them rolling in on me (laughs) yeah but if you're a if you're an educated (laughs) coyote you're going to be hearing this going "Mm, what's going on over there yeah weird (laughs) but then again they might not think like that either we don't know no one's ever been able to catch a coyote and interrogate him (laughs) why did you come into this call yeah for sure so i i i uh how like a female invite how i'll play two to three to four prey distress depending on how i'm feeling that day and what i think and do you so like if you're out in country let's say we're driving out we're we're up in central idaho we're driving out me and you've went up there and hunted in central idaho we're driving out we're in the sagebrush um we're seeing jackrabbits maybe we see a couple cottontails does that play into your like what you are going to play are you thinking about like what or maybe we're in a, a there's a bunch of deer like there's a lot of deer we're seeing do you do you mix that in to your distress like what you play no the sound is very uh overrated yeah. what i'm looking for is i'm looking for animals for them to eat yep whether it's cottontails or mice or voles or jackrabbits or deer if there's critters in the area that coyotes like to eat then that's where i want to hunt yep so for example i used to go uh scout in the high country here where we live Mm -hmm. and i'd take a my 223 a little light gun and i'm scouting at nine thousand feet yeah for deer yep uh during the middle of the day i'm calling coyotes this is what kind of guy steve is he's always hunting coyotes and (laughs) i'm up Nine thousand feet with an electronic call calling coyotes in with a jackrabbit, but Probably there's didn't. not there's not a jackrabbit in thirty in, miles of that <laughs> yeah. area. Yeah, for sure. And that coyote has never heard a jackrabbit. Yeah, but he doesn't care. ever, and he still died. Yep. They just come in. It's a distress cry. They know. It's yeah. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? So that's a that's one of these things that people get so hung up on is for sure. Well, which prey distressed any of them, man? Yeah. It does birds. It, coyotes eat so many things the bulk of a coyote diet when they're first coming up is grasshoppers what are you gonna do make a grasshopper chirp sound yeah i mean they they eat grasshoppers by the hundreds yeah they eat everything so prey distress is prey distress is prey distress i don't care what you what you play now some of them 
may seem more effective than others. Yeah, and do you have like better luck with? Yeah, I no. mean, you you don't really you never notice that. Like you have better luck with no. this certain jackrabbit noise from no. Fox Pro or from Lucky Duck, whatever. You just yeah. No, this all boils down to the proximity of yep. the coyote. I right? like it. So I I well, all I'm doing in my scenario is I'm setting up a a, a story. I'm. I'm howling like a female. Mm-hmm. I'm being inviting. Then I'm praying to stress like, oh, she just caught something. She's killing something. And then uh, if ha- nothing's showed up around the 15-minute mark. So, and how long on the pray and distress? Sorry, I'm just, I want to hit nail this down for like guys. So, you've, you did the invitation female. You wait a few minutes, then you start whatever you, you said you that might vary, and then you do a prey and distress. How long are you playing that sequence? So I'll go 30, 45 seconds. Usually each prey distress has a, a rhythm and like a song to it yep. before they start over. Okay. And so I'll try to play that out so that because it, it's it's more aggressive, and then it sounds like the animal dies, and then I stop. And volume. Are you, how are you adjusting your volume or loud you're going to be if you're blowing a hand call? Like what, are you like going to just get on there and hammer? You starting off really quiet. Like what do you do there? Yeah. So with a hand call, it's hard to blow too loud. Yeah, Because you sure. just, it's you, hard, yeah. right? Um, with an electronic call, you can call too loud. Mm-hmm. So my call goes up to, I think, 30. I will start out at like an 8. Okay. Because there might be a coyote 100 right yards away. Mm-hmm. And if you walk in and it's like you slam the kitchen door and you just walk into the kitchen and scream. Yeah. Ah, yep. Well, you're going to scare the crap out of them. For right? sure. Just like For sure. you would be. Um, now, you might get them to still come in anyways, but more than likely you're just going to, holy crap, scare them. So I call, I start soft, and then I'll event i'll i'll progressively increase the volume whether it's just by volume you know pressing up up or down i'll get up to you know maybe 16 as as high as i'll go gotcha if there's no wind if it's super blowy and super windy then yeah then i'll go a little bit louder but then even then i'm trying to get into thick cover where the cops are getting out of the wind right yep um so then after I play some... So you uh, play the first sequence, it goes maybe 30, 40 seconds, shut whatever it, off, it is. Shut, shut it off, off and wait. Shut it off and wait. Okay. Give the, give the coyotes time to come in or do whatever they're doing. Because we got to understand that coyotes just aren't sitting there waiting for someone to show up and make a prey distress yeah. sound so they can run in and get shot. They're out doing their thing. we got to understand a few things about coyotes. Is Early in the year, so they mate in, you know... January, February, a pair gets together and they mate and they have a territory. Mm -hmm. They like to defend their territory. They'll find a good area with water, a lot of feed in it, right? Because they got to raise their pups. They'll defend that area. They'll have specific territorial markers where if you're driving down the road and you see coyote crap all down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. This is a definitive line. This Mm -hmm. is one pack's boundary and another pack, if they come here, they know they're intruding. Okay, and they can be really aggressive then. Um, as they go throughout the summer, then they have their pups and they need to feed them. Okay. And then, uh, we get into the later part of the year, the pups disperse and they're going out to try to find their own places. So you can, as long as we know what the coyotes are doing in their life cycle of that year and in that area, uh, then we can 
put together a scenario, and this is the scenario I've built over 25 years of doing this, that covers all the needs of the coyote. So a coyote needs to eat. Yep. They're, they're omnivorous. I mean, I've found coyote poop with just all it is is berry seeds or seed pods in the, in the Snake River Canyon. Great big seed pods. I don't know what seed it is, but they know what it is, and they're eating it. Yeah, that's weird. That's crazy. They'll eat everything. Yeah. Insects. You name it. Well, I look at my dog. It. it would be out there grazing in the grass for some damn reason. I don't know right? why my gra- my yep. dog wanted to eat grass, but he'd go out there and graze on grass for a while. Yeah, eat, chase bees around grasshoppers. Like it's sure. Yeah, it's yep. it's pretty crazy. Like when you watch. Like a dog, like they just do weird things. Like yeah, yeah. and my, coyotes are just even yeah. weirder. Yeah, my right? dog's favorite thing was horse turds. Oh sure. Yeah, I, I have no idea why, but he loved to eat horse turds, and it pissed yeah. me off. Like I'd, yeah. I'd be like, dude, what yeah, are you because then he comes in and licks your face. Yeah. <laughs> and coyotes will eat uh, cow poop. Yeah, you know, fresh cow poop, especially around uh, when they're calving. The the cow poop would be full of milk, mm-hmm. and the the coyotes just go lap it up. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Gross. But it's food source. So anyhow, coyotes they need to eat, they need to breed, and they like to fight. Right, so it's a three S: feed, fight, and fornicate. Let's call it <laughs> right. So as long as we know that those are the three needs of a yeah. coyote, so uh, we we do a female invite howl, which will cover uh, fight and fornicate. Mm-hmm. Then we have prey distress, which covers eating, and then I always like to throw in either coyote pup distress or coyote fights at the end or like a serenade now coyotes like to fight go back to junior high you're walking down the hall two dudes are squaring off someone yells fight boom how comes everybody yeah. to watch these kids fight same thing with coyotes man they like to get into scruffs with each other i've called in so many coyotes on the end of the calling sequence with fighting sequences that I knew they they were there the entire time. They would respond to the invite howl. I know they heard the prey in distress. Maybe they, they just killed a mule deer and they had it down in a gully. Oh, they could have. They could have had their, like a yeah. two thirty buck down there, <laughs> probably just eating his probably. guts out, right? Because <laughs> they do. Yeah, coyotes no. do. Oh yeah, coyotes for sure. can kill deer. Oh yeah, I've seen them do it. Yeah, and uh, uh, I know I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just saying. But the coyotes are sitting bucks. down there. Maybe they're sitting down there with a full belly, and they're not. Yeah. They don't want to come yeah. into a distress. These these coyotes didn't show up until oh, there's a fight. There was a fight. There was a fight pack. They came in to see what the fight was, yep. and two of them didn't make it back. Yeah. So that's been my, and I'll play that all the time. So when you're sitting on stand, what, like, how long? What, 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 what's your stand length? I know that varies, but like uh, average, I know you, you kind of break it down. Like if the wind's blowing, um, maybe it's taking them a longer time to hear it. Maybe it takes them a longer time to traverse the country. Maybe, you know, there's all this that goes into it, but like on average, you're in a new spot. Like, what are you going to I'll I'll sit 20 minutes, 20 minutes minimum, unless I just don't feel good about the area. Yeah. But you just mentioned traversing the area. So coyotes are out doing their thing. They're out hunting. They're out traipsing around. They got huge areas. Some of them do. Some of them are a little bit smaller. But I call it the calling bubble, okay? So the sound of your call is only going to go so far. Yep. You can't call a coyote in from five miles away. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, realistically, 
it's 800 to 1,000 yards. That's what I was going to say is probably on average, and you might get the occasional one out there. You know, you might get really a crazy one that comes in. Something aggressive, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Those rare circumstances where the sound can really travel. Um, I mean, Rusty Gamble, he's the current world champion, told me of a time where he called in a coyote from over three miles up a dry riverbed in the it snow. Heard it, starving, it was wound cranked. up, and yeah. yeah. Um, but realistically, in a normal situation, 800 to 1,000 yards is your calling bubble from where you are sitting that your call can reach, whether it's the sound is being absorbed by brush, hills, the wind, whatever it is, that's a reasonable area that I feel that I can call a coyote in from. Now, is there a coyote there when I sit down? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But he might be a mile away, and he might be working his way in, and at the 15-minute mark, he breaks that 800-yard barrier, and he hears that fight, and boom, he's turned on, and he comes burning in. You can have a kind of burn in at at minute 18. See, and I think, like, for me, I know uh, in my patience, like, I sit there, I blow the call, and I would be like, when I would, before I started hunting with you, like, dude, 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I leave. Well, I know a bobcat, for instance. If you're in a place where you can shoot bobcats, dude, they can take forever. Yep. I watched a bobcat come in from, dude, and if I couldn't have seen him at the beginning, if I wouldn't have seen him at the beginning, and it took him, like, it was 25 minutes. And and I would just get little glimpses of him. He'd pop his head over the top of the brush. And it'd go right back down. And next time I'd see him, he'd be 30 yards closer. He'd be like looking over, like trying to identify. And I think at that time it was like a rabbit in distress or whatever. And I think he was just trying to identify, like, where is this thing? Yeah, because they're more on sight, right? Yeah, like coming in really looking. And so I think that taught me like, hey, maybe I better not just sit here for 15 minutes stand up blow it all out and be done and i know there was one i'm sitting over with you and you were still and i just would kind of sit where i could see steve and i'd just wait for him to stand up or he'd come and get me and we're sitting there and i'm like y'all he's got to be done he's got to be done like we've been here for 20 minutes and i think it was like 25 minutes boom i hear you shoot or is that guy you know and i'm like He got one to come in, and we sat there for how long? And I, I'm like, I'd have been done. And you're just sitting off to the side of me, looking at kind of a different spot. That's the other thing. A couple guys, try to cover some ground when you're sitting. Yes. Yeah. Like don't like if your buddy's coming with you, you don't have to. Don't sit together. Like there's no there's no point. Like cover, spread out a little bit, and try to cover so you, everybody can see something different. But but like that was a good example of like it took forever. And that dog come in and ended up killing him. And I would have been, if it was me and I was out there by myself, I'd have been back in the truck headed for Burger King. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd have been done. Well, it goes back to any kind of hunting, right? Yeah. You're on their timetable, right? They're not on ours. Yep. So that's where we're not patient enough with them and we don't give them the credit of, they're really, really smart. They're yes. not just going to go, oh, dinner bell, ding, 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 ding. Yes. Let's go running in there. You know, they could be working their way in. You and know? you might get a pup that does it. Yep. And it may, he might come in. He might, dude, you might turn that call on. And in three minutes, he's he's on the call. I mean, jumping in like a mule deer. I've seen him do it. Yep. Like 100 miles an hour just on you. And then you have one. And, dude, and then the other thing is that I've noticed 
is a lot of times you'll get one to commit and there might be, don't focus on that one coyote. There could be two standing at 400 yards, like watching this one come in to see, like, <laughs> we'll let him go in, see what right. happens, and then we'll come in. Yeah. So that's another thing, like, you can't, don't get ultra focused on, yeah. It's yeah. just one thing, I, a couple things I've learned. And also understand that not all coyotes are built the same way. Mm-hmm. You can have really timid coyotes, really bold coyotes, really mean coyotes, really horny coyotes, really hungry coyotes. They're just like people. Yeah. Right? I guess. I, I think the we anthropomorphize animals too much just because that's the way we understand life. Well, but I think look at dogs. You know, you could have a you could have a a group of labs come out of the same litter, and I've seen this like friends that had brothers, sisters, whatever. They're a, a completely different dog. Like yeah. one's laying around, lazy, does like he's just easy going, and then you have might have one that's bouncing off the walls. Or look at kids. I mean, that oh, happens too. You know, like crazier it, than hell. Yeah, I mean, you might have, or you might have one kid that's timid and doesn't. You know, yeah. it's just so that to me completely makes sense. Like on their behavior is the they they're just all a little different so two stories to illustrate this point so i'm calling a big ravine up in idaho and i'd been i'd been going through my sequence and about six eight hundred yards away across this big gully i see a coyote pop out on the edge of the sagebrush and just by its body language and kind of size i guessed that it was a uh a female pup Mm -hmm. just because the way it was acting it's kind of walking around being real timid and i'd uh, I'd been playing like uh, jackrabbit and then uh, coyote distress, pup distress or something. And this coyote just wasn't reacting. It had come out. It was curious enough to see what was going on. I'm like, oh, that's a female. That's a little pup. I need to go with something little. And this is the only time I really try to uh, match the call to the situation. Okay. So I found uh, baby cottontail. It's just a little squeak, 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 yep. squeak, squeak, squeak. That did the trick. It was a small, really submissive sound, and this female came in. Came that, right in. Into that little sound. Um, another situation was uh, I was up in Idaho, I hunt Idaho quite a bit, and uh, I had a female invite how I'd, I'd actually snowshoed into this area, and I saw a coyote out there. A lot of time you'll walk into a spot, and if you sit down and glass for a minute, you'll see one. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in coyote country, yes. right? And then that can tell you a ton about. Yeah, the and you're really sequence. good too. I wanted to talk about that. A lot of times when you sit down, you're not like you don't go into calling right away. You you're really good about you glass everything, try to get like a feel for everything. And yeah, there's been multiple times we've saw we've seen coyotes standing yeah. out there. Like yeah, yeah, and then you can play the call, and then really learn. What, it, what yeah. that sound is doing to that mm-hmm. that particular coyote, right? So I'm on this stand. I actually see a coyote. It doesn't see me. I sit down. I'm not in the. I don't have the greatest uh, tactical spot because I can't get there because this coyote will see me. So I go to female invite how. It doesn't respond, mm-hmm. and this is in late winter, so it's February ish. They should be pairing up, right? Yep. Instantly, I go. Not a male. That's a female coyote. She doesn't care that I'm a female coyote. So she starts going up through the sagebrush. Well, three or 400 yards past her, I see a pair bombing down off this mountain. One just mangy, just terrible shape. 
and they come bombing in. Clearly horny males. Okay, they've heard the female invite how man they here they come up. here they come. Well, they come bombing in, and I watched them run right across her track because it's in the snow. Mm-hmm. They do a U-turn. They get on her track, fresh track. They can smell her. Oh, here's our female. Yeah. They start running after this female to the point where, I'm not lying, this coyote has run on on its hind legs so it can get a look at where That's that seeing, female yeah. is going. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, ah, man, I got three coyotes within 400 yards. I, they're running away now. So I switched to a rabbit distress. Well, the initial coyote, the first one, she comes barreling across the flat that towards me. That did it for her. Yep. Okay. She's bringing in the other two because they're Perfect. wanting her. Okay. Well, because of I wasn't able to get to where I wanted to get, I had a little ravine in front of me. They all disappear into the ravine. Whatever happened, happened. If they tag teamed up and grabbed her, I don't know. I never did see her again. Well, then the mangy one and the other one came out, and I got a long shot at them. But that just shows the calling sequence of one call works yeah, for, for one, sure. one didn't for the other. So they're all different, but if you can cram it all into one and build this scenario of I'm a female, I'm out here, come breed me, let's go hunt, whatever, and then uh, pray to stress, oh, the female got something, or or a coyote just wandering in and actually breaks the bubble, Yes, right? He's been half a mile away now, he's 800 yards sure. away. Here's a rabbit distress, oh, I'm hungry, bops in. Uh they want to go in and feed or, hey, there's a fight going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to illustrate this point too, me and my son are up in Idaho. We'd been bear hunting. And uh, the bear hunting was slow and we're coming back and we're like, hey, do you want to hunt some coyotes? Of course you coyotes? want to go hunt coyotes. Right. I had all my coyote <laughs> stuff and uh, we're, we're driving through some awesome BLM ground. I'm like, oh, that's a perfect spot right over there. Big grass valley with some cows. I love to hunt around cows because coyotes... Like I said, they yeah. eat their poop. Uh, they'll actually, out in Kansas, they'll have, you'll be walking through a field and there'll be fresh cow pies, or not fresh, dried cow pies that are flipped over because there'll be bugs and whatever underneath yeah. the coyotes will get and eat them. Mice. Right? Yeah. Mice, whatever yep. it is. Um, so we get out there, we get set up, sit down, howl, and uh, boom, a pair house, 1,000 yards away. Look out, they're right in the cows. And uh, it's a pair. I'm like, my boy was too young to hunt that. I'm like, hey, we're going to get both of these. Watch. And uh, the wind was blowing just perfect for us. And uh, so I played the female invite howl. They just kind of howled a little bit and just sat there and watched. And I gave them two, three, four minutes, and then I played rabbit in distress. Bam. The big male got on a two track, and he was sprinting right to us. Well, his female partner hooked around a little hill that was 1,000 yards out, and she was going to come in on the downwind side from 1,000 yards out. Mm-hmm. He's coming straight in. Doesn't take him long to cover that yeah. kind of ground going that fast. Comes in, slows down at around 300, makes it uh, 150 yards. He's starting to circle downwind. Boom, shoot him. I'm like, cut or watch. We're going to get this other one to come in. I go to a fight sequence. Well, the female hooks around the hill, and she comes bopping in. And the only thing I can think of is, well, my boyfriend or husband's getting in a fight with that other female. Yeah. 
she bops up on a rock, doom, dump Get her too. So uh, it doesn't always work out like that, yeah. but it is fun when you can watch the whole thing no, play out and correlate the yeah. sounds with what the animal's actual behavior and reaction to it is. That's awesome. Right? So um, let's talk about wind. Um, I think I know for me as like a deer elk hunter um, and really focused on deer, I'm always nervous about like my approach and wind and making sure that I am like, dude, I, and the funny thing is I don't even realize I'm doing it, but when I, I am constantly paying attention to the wind. I always am like, I, I am always aware of it, where it's hitting me on my face, neck, whatever. I'm always thinking about it and how I walk into places, coyote hunting. What is your, cause I know I used to set up thinking I had to have the wind in my face and after multiple times of me leaving the stand and finding fresh coyote tracks on hitting my tracks behind, as I, behind me, it started to occur to me like there was a problem. And I think it was Dan, Wilhelm, and you, you guys would set up, and I think this just it blew my mind, but you were like wanting to see the way the wind was blowing like a downwind you wanted to try to get the best visibility downwind and dude sure enough those coyote like it's crazy how many times and this and it totally makes sense that they're coming in it'd be no different than an elk trying to get the wind they do it all the time but you're sitting there calling these coyotes will work and they will approach from downwind and i think that just helps them confirm like oh i smell whatever the jackrabbit whatever that call is maybe there's some blood they and i mean it just confirms like so how many times like when you set up you that's kind of what you do is you're thinking about looking downwind to try to catch them coyote circling and i would say if there's one time that i can and since i've been doing it if there's one time that i can kind of almost predict where i'm going to see a coyote it's down that towards where the wind's blowing sure. it's crazy how many times they do that yeah well, 100%, because they're trying to utilize, you mentioned it earlier, when they're coming in, they're full blast, all their senses. Oh, yeah. Sight, sound, smell, the whole bit. Well, they get into a certain range, and whether that range is 1,000 yards or 50, they're going to circle downwind to use their nose mm -hmm. to smell the rabbit or the whatever it is that's making a ruckus. So, uh, yeah, I grew up thinking, or, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, you got to have the wind in your face. you got to have the wind in your face. Well, if they're going to circle down when they're going to be behind you. Yep. And I've seen that happen enough times when I've been on my own. Uh, or if I have guys, I someone's always got to be coming yeah, and down you, and that's that's what i was going to say is when you're using two guys you might yeah. have somebody and i remember one time i'm like yeah steve's going to stick me in the shitty spot where i'm looking downwind i won't see anything and shit i think the coyotes every one of them come in from downwind yeah. and he's up looking over this beautiful like base sagebrush base and and he didn't see anything and they just work downwind yeah. that was uh I can't remember where we were on that one, and I, I I think I screwed it up. I think I can't remember, but I think I screwed it up too. Yeah, I can't remember either. But so if I'm in a situation where uh, I don't want the wind blowing straight up my back into where I'm calling, because we don't know exactly where the coyote is. Yes. Unless it's a rare spot where you spotted a coyote walking in For there, sure. and you know right where he is. That coyote could be anywhere 360 degrees from your location, okay? But you can almost guarantee they're going to end up downwind. 
Sometimes they just bomb in straight to the call mm-hmm. and they don't care yep. about wind. I've had that happen too. Um, but if I can get the wind blowing down a clear lane uh, into where I'm hunting, I can almost steer the coyotes into that shooting lane. Like if I got a thick uh, flat of sagebrush and then I've got a break where there's some yellow grass and then I've got another thick uh, bunch of sagebrush, but the wind is blowing right down that lane of yellow grass, that's where they're going to yep. show up. And that's where they're going to be easiest to see. They're really hard to see in thick sage. And they'll stop and they'll be behind the sage. They look through sage. They're not going to stand out broadside yes. and look at you. But they're going to get to that yellow grass where you can see and that's where your shot's going to be. So you call that a kill zone. Um, and that's another thing. You know, you can't control where the wind's blowing. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned earlier, when I'm doing Google Earth and Onyx and I'm looking and I'm wanting the sun at my back, well, the wind might be blowing out of the north in the morning. It might be blowing out of the south in the afternoon, and it might ruin a whole bunch of stands. Mm-hmm. Well, you just can't turn around and go home. Yeah. You got to hunt, yeah, right? For sure. We only have so many days. Yep. So, I'll just go, well, the wind's blowing this way. I'm going to set up so that the coyotes come in that way. And yep. hopefully, yep. right? Now, out of the 360 degrees, if they come in on that five-degree angle where the wind is blowing, well, then you're just out of luck. For sure. But if they're on this angle over here and they've got to work into that angle, well, there you go. So, And then, yeah, like, it, your call, too. You can use that to kind of help steer. Steer them, Because yeah. they're going to come in downwind of that call so if it's 75 yards out in front or you put that maybe the call a little more upwind so hopefully they're going to swing right in front of you downwind you can kind of use that to your advantage too so just like that was i I don't know it just kind of surprised me like hunting with you guys i just i looked at it different i guess after that i wasn't thinking like oh i gotta have this perfect stand where the wind's hitting me in the face Mm -hmm. and i mean sometimes that's how you have to make it work like maybe there's this basin and you can see really good and you got the wind in your face and you know what it might work and i've had that work too but it's just you kind of got to play that but i know i'd write off stands like in fact i remember walking in with you and i'm thinking well this is not gonna work and then it it works so yeah yeah. and i'll i'll to depend on where you put your call if you have a elevated area you can put your call down below you as long as it's not being all the sound is being absorbed by the surrounding brush Mm -hmm. and hills you can be above it and have the coyotes come in under your wind yeah right for sure so hook around behind you and be completely underneath your wind and get into gun range uh it just it goes back to that it takes experience and time and using your brain. You know, a lot of people, we just don't think anymore. Yeah. But hunting, you've got to think. Yeah. And I think, I that's think the most successful hunters I know, they're constantly thinking. Yes. How do I do this? What's going on here? What's yeah. going on there? You know what I mean? And they're observing it through the lens of, I think, a killer. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I say that, like they're thinking, like you have to be constantly thinking about all of that stuff instead of just it's not we're not at the shopping mall you you can't your senses like and i feel like that's the problem with society and the average hunter is that they're just going about hunting like it's another daily event of their life and like the wild the world 
the natural world is a completely different animal like how things are using wind how things use topography like all of these things like got to be thinking about it like and and dude one thing that's helped me too um i sit and think all the time like do i would i be laying out in the sun if i if it's a hot summer day no i'm gonna be in the shit you know and like just thinking about just different things that animals they here's a good example when animals try to take the path the least resistance dude old two tracks like going out through a blm i don't know how many times you can be calling and a coyote comes dude i watch them as two tracks i have shot a lot of coyotes sitting in a two track road coming into a call because it's an easy yeah. way for them to travel but they're using like that topography to get to that they know that road's there they'll hit it and it just helps them cover country and it's just like mule deer trails like you know you see a beat down or an old cattle trail going out from summer pasture they'll hit those a lot of times and so there's like different things you can just you got you have to see with your eyes and be like like, okay, if I was that coyote walking down, dude, and even truck roads. I know one place there was a guy had went through an area on a snowmobile, yep. deep snow. Dude, them coyotes, they will hit that snowmobile track because it's packed down snow. They can yep. walk on top of it and come. Like, that's the method. They're not going to go through four feet of powder to come and investigate some. No. Yeah, it's just like all of those things, like just thinking all the time. And that I know it's just interesting when you think like that and you're always thinking about how they, are they going to move through this country? I think that really helps. Well, it's just with all hunting, like we yeah. mentioned, you know, you've got to watch why are elk doing what they're doing? Why is that buck doing what it's doing? And big deer act different than little deer. Yeah, right. For sure. So uh, we've got to observe their behavior and then just learn from it and go, ah, why are they doing that? Yes. And whether we come up with the right uh, reason in the animal's mind yeah. is irrelevant. For sure. If we come up with the right reason to make us successful. For sure. Right? Well, and I think, too, don't get stuck in a rut. Mm -mm. Um, like, I know, so I can think of so many guys that, that really are great hunters. They're good hunters. But they, it, this, so they killed a deer in this spot. They've killed three deer in this spot. And it's worked out for them. So they always go back to that spot. And then they're wondering, well, why aren't am I killing, you know, a big deer? And it's like you got to always be thinking you got to be adapting you've dude. And that's what I love about hunting, no matter what it is like this coyote stuff, bear hunting, dude, any type of hunting is dude. I love soaking in information and like learning about animal behavior. It's just fascinating to me. And I think I am convinced no matter who you are, how long you spend, you cannot learn it all. And that's, what's fun is like, you just, and pick up these little things and dude, and over time you just start seeing like those successes come more and more regularly just because you've picked up all this stuff that you don't even like really think about, you know? Well, yeah, nature is, uh, nature. It's mm -hmm. unpredictable oh. at times, but it can be very patternable. Yes. Right? So we've hunted the high country in Wyoming for deer. They act different than those deer yes, down low. for sure. But then the deer down low have a pattern, mm -hmm. right? Just like the elk do. And uh, just like any yes. animals really do, you know? And it's figuring out, like, last year I was hunting Wyoming deer and saw bears every day. Yeah. Went and hunted yeah, bears we this year. There, yeah. Didn't see a bear in the, yeah. all the same areas. Like, <laughs> 
Well, where did they go? They were everywhere. What happened? Well, different food source. Yep, something right? changed. You just have to figure out, okay, what food source are they eating now? And it's probably in the cover. For sure. There's probably a great pine nut yeah. crop that year. Or, you know, like. And black bears like to be in thick cover anyhow. Yeah, and like oak brush, man. I was hunting some oak brush this year. I'm wandering around. Dude, I have never seen acorns laying on the ground like they were this year. Yeah. Like they were laying all over. And it's like, I, I've been in there and I've seen acorns, but not like in the like abundance they were this year. Or just yeah. something different changes or maybe it frosted, whatever. And there's all these things. So it's just, I don't know. It's fun, man. It's what's fun. So we were just hunting uh, Colorado third season. I had a tag and uh, I bought a bear tag too. And we saw one, two, we saw two stomper bear big bears and then there was one on the ranch i was hunting it's probably one of the biggest bears i've killed some big bears you've killed a lot of bears this bear was seven plus wow big we have him on camera his head is as big as a as a rib cage he's a big bear well anyhow we get we stalk after this bear and we're bombing down through some oak brush and some willows and bud the whole area we went through this big willow patch we're just overhanging like caves and stuff. The place was covered in bear crap. It was all acorns. You'd kick it apart yeah. and just acorn shells. All of it. And there was, it had looked like cattle had that's been crazy. living in there. There was that many bears. That's it, awesome. Different sizes. So, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, too, is like in always observing the ground. You know, like we were talking, driving in coyote hunting. Your head's out the window. You're looking for tracks the entire time, like in a new spot and like trying to learn like how they're using, like, cause that's one thing. It's so easy. I mean, you go through a place that got a foot of snow last week. You are going to know if there coyotes here or not, like really easy. And I think a lot of guys too, they don't, they're not even thinking about that. It's funny how many hunters are out and about. They're just not even looking down. They don't. And like it's, it's right there, perfect evidence on the ground, and where a lot of people just miss it. And it's just stuff like that that I think it makes the difference between like being successful and not being successful. Is like you said, and you put it best: you can't kill a big buck if there isn't a big buck in the area. No. And just like a coyote, you can go into the best looking coyote habitat. Like in your mind, you can go in there and you can do the perfect stand. Well, if there isn't a coyote there, guess what? He ain't coming in. So. And this changes throughout the year, mm-hmm. right? So um, my favorite spot is up in Idaho. It's out in some lava land. There's a bunch of lava flows and stuff. And, man, in the past, there's been it's been overrun with coyotes. I was out there bow hunting antelope one weekend, and I saw like 33 coyotes from my truck. And you probably put your bow away and went hunting coyotes, didn't you? Well, the next weekend, I took my boy up there, and we went and, we went and hunted coyotes. Yeah. They were everywhere, right? He got a double. I got a double. We got it. It was fun. Yeah. Um, so I took advantage of the situation. Yes. There was a bunch in there. Well, I was just up there with a buddy, hunted the same exact area, almost the same exact time of year. We didn't see fresh sign. We didn't. I didn't see a fresh track. We didn't see a coyote all day. Made 10 or 12 stands. Nothing. Nothing. Well, um, one thing, so I, I want to talk about routes that can help people to condense this and learn quicker too. Yeah. So, uh, up here by my house, um, 
back in the day when I'd only have like a half a day on a Saturday because you got little kids and you got diapers to change and stuff to do around yep. the house, I'd get up early and I'd go hunt till noon because I had places within 45 minutes of my house I mm-hmm. could do this, okay? Well, my time was so condensed that I'd have to go and I'd have to go sp- pick a specific spot and I would develop a route, mm-hmm. like a newspaper route. I knew right where to park my truck. I would walk into this tree, that railroad tie, that fence post, this rock, that patch of grass, that sagebrush. I mean, exact spots. And I developed these over a few years, and I could go on a Saturday and I'd kill kill a coyote every weekend. I'd kill one to five. Yep. Okay? Um, But I'd develop these routes because to get five stands in before noon – you got to be going pretty hard. You got to know where you're going. There's you no, know, yeah. For but sure. I just had it down. I just mm-hmm. knew exactly where to go, and it's a small area, and I'd rotate these stands through. Well, there's one particular stand. Uh, this is probably the craziest coyote story uh, I have personally, and I write about this in the book too. But I, I go into this stand. It's a pretty good walk to get in there. But there's one rock I got to sit by. And then the rest is all like ag land and then rolling, rolling poly uh, sagebrush hills and a lot of private ground, mm-hmm. right? So I get into this spot. And before I'm even walking in there, I hadn't hunted this place for, geez, three or four years. A fire had blown through there. I think the time before I'd killed a triple. And then I, I just hadn't hunted it for a while. I thought, I had to go check out that spot. And... I'm rolling in there, and there's a coyote walking into it. I'm like, perfect. I could have shot it from the road, yeah. but I don't like doing that anymore. <laughs> um, so that one walks into the area, and I start walking in there, and I get set up, and I howl. I do my scenario, my howl, my prey distress, my fight. Well, I howl, and probably a mile to the south, a pack just Lights blaring off. off back at me. I'm like, oh, cool. There's some more. Well, the wind was... Not good for me that day. It was blowing right into this thick patch of sage down below me. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see four coyotes just skirting out of the sage. And they'd been in my downwind. And prior to them coming out, I'd seen a couple more just out farting around. They were just everywhere that day. And uh, these four coyotes come out. and um, I switch the call up to a bark or something. And I get them to stop. And I, I shoot one of them. And then they scatter. They know what's going on. They've smelled me. They're getting out of town, right? Well, then I go into a fight sequence, and the original group that howled comes burning in. Okay? They come burning in over a hill. They run into the coyote. He kind of ran around and got blood everywhere and made a mess, you know, made a big stink. And so they're hung up on him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I shoot one of them. And they don't know what's going on. One of them takes off, another one kind of walks up the hill and turns, boom, I shoot that one too. So, you got uh, three coyotes down. I dumped three of them, and on that stand, there was two four packs, and then I saw three singles. So, on one stand, there was 11 That's insane. coyotes. But I've hunted that stand, I don't know, a dozen times since. That's never happened before since. or since. I've killed triples. Actually, the last time I hunted it, I had my little dog with me, and we killed a triple. That's crazy. So, it's just, it's a good spot. But I can't go, you know what I want to do today? Yeah. I want to go kill a triple. Oh, I'm going to go to... Yeah, you just never I'm going to go to the rock stand. It yeah. just, it's not how it works. Well, and it's, it's weird, too, like why one day it seems like coyotes are just super, like, 
they're they're out and about they're coming in for whatever reason i don't know what it is and then you could go there the following day or hunt a little different place but out in that same area the following day and it could be horrible yeah it's just it's funny how it could go by hour to hour day by day but and this is the thing that people don't get they always think that they can make it happen oh i just got to get the right sound or i got to play the right distress or whatever it is no man some days are just you're covering you're covering the three f's the feed the fight and the fornicate that's all you can do i like it okay the rest is up to that coyote yeah now they could have just got in a fight they don't want to be in another fight they could have just killed a 230 buck and be full (laughs) and don't want to come yeah they could just not be in the mood that day for sure or they could be in the mood that day so on the days that the coyotes are responding really good i mean get after them kill all of them yeah because those are really fun days we've had 14 15 that's that's awesome, coyote days man. but that's not the norm yeah right the norm is you're gonna go out and you're gonna have 10 to 12 stands and you're gonna see two to three coyotes yep that's the norm it's just a grind well i'm glad you mentioned that because i think too like success rates like i think a lot of guys so oh, even you if watch instagram yeah, and you think oh you just shoot a truckload yeah of them. you're following whoever well they might be hunting 10,000 acres of private and the the and dude i have been on some ranches like the coyotes are seriously the dumbest things like they don't get shot at by the general public so that you got to take all that in like it's just not and so you're saying you know like a 25 percent success rate chance is is pretty good if you see a coyote and four stands you're having a pretty good day. I yep. mean, that's that's pretty good hunting. And that's not even coming for me. That's less. Uh, Johnson said the same thing. He said every three to five. Yeah. If you're having an encounter. Yeah. Every three, three to five. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So to illustrate this point, uh, you remember Goldie that worked yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. We go out to Nevada. It's his first time hunting anything. Yep. We go out there, and I've never hunted this area. Never been there in my life. Found it on Google Earth. Looks like a great spot. Nobody lives in Nevada. There's got to be coyotes, <laughs> yeah. right? We got there. We had the greatest day. We called in 14 that day. We killed nine. We should have killed 12. He's thinking this is easy. He's like, this is awesome. I thought he thought coyote hunting was stupid. You just yeah. go out and you sit there and don't kill anything. And it's just one of those days where they were everywhere. Everything worked. And they wanted to respond. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went out there again uh, with a buddy. Same exact area for, for a competition i think we called in one yeah it's just because they didn't want to respond it's yeah. not because we killed them all yeah far oh, from no. it yeah for sure but it just they didn't want to respond that day and and time of year steve i know everybody it seems like a lot of people get excited to go hunting coyotes this time of year there's sure. snow on the ground and i'm a big believer that snow does help i mean yeah. cold temperatures i think it does it sure. can help just feeds getting it's not as available um, but talk about like the different times of year. Can you just like in closing, like kind of just talk about, it can be really tough is what I wanted to say when there's a bunch of pressure like this time of year, like sure. in the January, February, when everybody's out there getting after it. Can you kind of talk about that? So yeah, uh, winter is a fun time cause they're fluffy and white and, uh, fur's worth snow. more. Yeah. Yeah. The fur's Early. worth more. They're just better looking. But then everybody's done elk hunting and deer hunting, and they want to go out, yeah. and they're out plinking from their truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so winter time can be hard, but then you can have those days where it's really good. Yep. But just know that 
say Thanksgiving, everybody's out on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Everybody's out during Christmas break. Yep. Hunting coyotes. For sure. They're not hunting anything else. Man. Yeah, for sure. But, um, especially out west. I mean, out especially west. Especially out west. Yeah. Right? So coyotes are pretty smart during that time of year. Yes, their grasshoppers are gone. There's snow on the ground. It's covering up the mice. It's making life more difficult for yep. them. So they're more prone to, hey, I'm a little hungrier now. Yep. But they are smart. Uh, breeding season rolls around around February, March. Uh, they get pretty locked in, like that story I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Those coyotes were locked in on that female. They did not care. That can be tough, but it can be really good, too. There's yeah. always the anomaly. The key is, is you just got to go out and try. You never know when you're going to hit that For golden sure. day. Uh, some of my best hunting is in May. See, and that April, May. See, and that's really like that's fun because, like, it's no better one's than hunting out. turkeys, right? <laughs> no one's out, stuff's starting to grow. Yeah. It's springtime, yeah. they're super aggressive, they're just pupping. So, I've had some really great days uh, during that time with really aggressive coyotes. Summertime, it gets really hot. You know, maybe get some early morning stuff. I'm kind of fat. I don't like to be out in the heat. You know what I mean? But then September, October can be really good because you've got all those new pups that yeah, are out and about. Sure. They're out doing the. That's own when thing. I see them doing stupid stuff, like I'm bow yeah. hunting and a coyote's like, you know, yeah, it's yeah. cool. So that's when the bulk of coyotes get killed is September, October, November. You yeah. know, people clean up the the young dumb ones, and then after that, it gets a little harder. But you know, I like fluffy ones because they look cool on the wall. They make a great, I mean, you can tan a coyote hide for 25 bucks. You know, they look cool. They sell good when the market's up. Yeah. I mean, Utah had a bounty. Or for a time, you could get 50 bucks on the bounty. Still can, yeah. And you could get $100 or uh, up to for a pelt. So, you know, you were looking at a $100 At least pay bill. for your gas and stuff. Sure, and, if you yeah. got a couple of yep, them, for you sure. know. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I think uh, it's just a good, like we talked about it right at the beginning, is I think it's a good, it, it just puts you in, it just, it's more days in the field. And who knows, you go out exploring coyotes, and I've done this, like hunting coyotes, and learn, hey, maybe there's a big buck, maybe see, you know what I mean? Maybe you find some deer sheds, maybe you find a big buck. Like, it's just one of those things that you can, it's just adding time in the field is the most valuable thing and there's no better teacher and even if you're hunting coyotes it could teach you you know all sorts of stuff about animal behavior and there's just the list goes on and on and then exploring new country i know i use it as an excuse to get out to places that i just i don't get out in a lot and i can go learn road systems and you know how the country lays out and just you're out walking around in it and you just it just helps you yeah, so now this podcast is going to come out. There's going to be 10 times more coyote guys out there, and they're going to be finding more deer, and the deer herds. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah, we shouldn't have done Yeah, that's how this. it works. <laughs> hey, and Steve, on your book. So I wanted to mention this. One more stand. Um, it's it's tips, tricks, and techniques for the Western coyote hunter. Steve Smith's the author. author. It's, uh, what, a couple, it's, yeah, 150, 170 pages. Is that what it is, Steve? Yeah, it's yeah. real simple. So it's re- I, I, but, uh, dude, I wanted to just commend you. Like, it's awesome. It's an awesome read that 
is dude you get right to the point you, you're not like getting super crazy in depth and it's not boring at all like when i got the book from steve i literally read it from cover to cover um in one sit like it was a snowy day and i read the whole thing and i i loved every it was awesome so i can't say this enough where can they find the book it's on amazon just type in steve smith one more stand uh it'll pull up i think it's 1999 there or uh if you want an autographed copy i think i've got maybe 50 books at home that i could autograph and well, you're send a good out man. So, perfect and, and they hey, can let, find you on instagram at raw, raw dog, dog hunting. Raw, yeah raw dog hunting make sure you type in raw dog hunting and not just raw yeah, dog geez. <laughs> okay well, let's talk about the proceeds too huh oh yeah and so steve Mentioned this, Steve's a big deer hunter. Steve uh, really got into coyote hunting, like he said, because he wanted to help mule deer out. Steve said he was going to make um, a donation off of ever, all the books sold. Yeah, all book. Uh, let's do all sales from now until, what, first of the year? Perfect. We'll, we'll donate to, we'll get... to uh, Mule Deer, some That's, foundation. Yeah, go to the Mule Deer Foundation. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, all book sales. Perfect. Well, that's pretty awesome, Steve. Well, so you can get a book, uh, and then you can also be helping out our deer because they need some help. For right sure. Now, right. Yep. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate this, guys. Hopefully, that'll help you out, give you something to do in this off season besides sitting on rock slide and arguing with each other. So it'll be fun. <laughs> Have a good day.